the challenge with folks that buy wine, store at home, and expect to resell it on carousel or something. <laughs> <laughs> Does that happen quite often? Yeah, that happens, but your providence is then uncertified. Yes. And so, yes, there could be scams, but buyers also are judging you based on the possibility that you are a scam. Mm. And that uncertainty destroys value. You're listening to the Building Financial Fitness Podcast, the show where personal finance is about the person, not just the numbers. Here on BFF, we talk about how to make money your best friend so that you can have the freedom to make the most out of life. We go through the honest discussions about money so that you don't need to make the same mistakes. We demystify jargon so that no one can smoke you with complicated acronyms. After all, money's greatest value is to give us control over our time, which is truly our greatest asset. I'm your host, Junus Yu. Hi everyone and welcome back to the BFF Podcast. Our topic today is about wine as investments. What should a newbie look out for? And today we have Ming back again. Thank you so much for being back here. Hi Ming. Hello, nice to be back. So I guess on top of you being an executive coach, we also know you as a wine hobbyist and also merchant. And I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the figures. Knight Frank put the market value for fine wine at around $686 billion. The price of fine wine has appreciated by 127% in the last decade and it actually outperformed, you know, asset classes such as luxury handbags, rare furniture. And in general, they are, I think they're looking at annualized returns for fine wine coming around 13.6% for the past 15 years. And Anthony Zhang mentioned that wine is actually seen as having low volatility, inflation and recession resistant. So would you agree with that given your time kind of like experimenting with wines? Well, first of all, disclaimer, mm. I am more of an observer and drinker than a real investor. I, mm. I derive pleasure when investments go well and what I'm drinking is worth a lot more than whatever I paid for it. So, mm. <laughs> That's but, good. Uh, to your statement, is uh, yes and no. Mm. Uh, certainly in recent years, there has been a lot of interest and a lot of value appreciation in wine markets yes. that has been driven by multiple things. Mm. One, awareness. Mm-hmm. So as emerging markets generate wealth for its populations, then you get more and more people it's who more have money to, demand, basically. Yeah, and also more people who are willing to spend uh, mm. on luxury items and so on. Those drivers also apply to other luxury goods. Yes. Second true. is liquidity. As we know, there's been moments where different asset classes have generated great amounts of liquidity and hot money sloshing about just finds markets. Yes. Right. So there's quite a bit of value appreciation that will be driven by that. The third one is also technology. The toolkits for investing in wine has democratized the ability to invest in it. Hmm. Uh, For example, there are trading platforms today where batches of wine are certified end-to-end of a proper provenance Hmm. so that whether it's counterfeit or improper storage leading to wines spoiling, some of these elements can be reduced and you can buy and sell wine with trust, Mm. with price realisation, without necessarily seeing the goods. Right. Mm. So how does one start 
investing in wine because there are several options, right? The first one is a very straightforward way of just like buying and selling individual bottles and entire cases. The other way is to buy into funds that specialize in wine investments. So are there any other ways of investing in wine? Yeah, I would say when you buy individual uh, bottles and cases, it works only if your provenance has been proven. Mm. That may involve you not taking your stock out of bond, just keeping the investment value there. Otherwise, as you move it through the value chain, your logistics and storage will have to be certified before the value can be realized. Mm. So you can do individual bottles, cases and so on, but you would have to make sure that the entire logistical value chain keeps the integrity of the stock. Right, and so is that the most certified. troublesome way of investing in wine then? Yeah, the world has made leaps and bounds in folks' ability to do that. First of all, whether it's Hong Kong, London, uh, Singapore, there are companies that provide trading platforms for you to buy and sell wine and you can choose to keep your stock closer to point of origin, whether it's Europe, hmm. or you can ship the stock into Hong Kong and resell or ship the stock to Singapore and resell mm. and if it remains in that logistical supply chain then there is a market price to your products and there are buyers and sellers on the platform so all you need is an account in one of these uh, platforms and you'll be able to play now if you want to go into wine funds then there's a predetermined allocation across wine labels like a Livex index or something that they may track those decisions are then not made by you it's no different from stock picking and buying a mutual fund Right. Yeah. Are we seeing less volatility though when it comes to wine funds? Yeah, so I think that goes to the yes and no bit, right? Mm-hmm. Of your earlier question. Yes. Answer, I think, actually is no. I think it has performed very nicely against inflation and that's yes. But there are demand tailwinds to the luxury market that mm. is supporting wine. But on the supply side, wine has certain inherent volatility. Mm. First is climate change. Hmm. We don't actually know how climate change is going to affect future supply. Yes. So, for example, uh, if it increases certain yields, then you have greater supply Hmm. and the prices will get depressed. Hmm. But when you have catastrophic events that leads to scarcity of investment-grade labels, then they become extremely valuable. Mm. So those events actually cause quite a bit of volatility. Because you're talking about climate change, right? So we're not definitely not talking about a black swan kind of event, right? No, but I mean a forest fire mm. and the grapes will be tainted with smoke. Mm. And there's an X percent of the harvest that just, just, got yeah, wiped just goes up. away. Yeah. Mm. Frost, X percent of the harvest that just goes away. Mm. There are great variations in value, typically upwards, that result from that. Certainly it affects the previous year and the previous previous years mm. uh, vintages and, and their value it brings and the so price on. way up right yes yes but at the same time wow. there will be great years 2019 2020 2018 in Bordeaux were a trilogy of great years yields would be good and there's also a lot of new investment as well so big labels are going all over the world to acquire land mm. and bringing fine wine making techniques and some of these estates are just ripening in a sense their age of their vines are getting to an age in which they can produce very sophisticated age-worthy wines that will be added to the list of investable products Hmm. so there's lots of things coming online chile napa has already gone through the roof willem valley oregon china 
new... China is, I mean, very large country by itself. Right? Yeah, yeah. But some of the big winemakers have gone to China, bought land and made stunning labels. Hmm. So they're only beginning to achieve prominence. So there's more and more stuff to buy. Hmm. That's something that could affect wine markets and all contributes to volatility. And then also supply could come on in terms of wine stocks that get released into the market. So mm. for example, I would presume that sanctions would affect certain rich Russian oligarchs who have <laughs> big sellers in which they may release to the market in exchange for liquidity. That could be supply coming online. For example, the owner of Hotbryon had decided to set up a foundation to support medical research in a particular area that he's interested in and has released his personal seller to liquidate that collection mm. and raise funds to set up the foundation. Mm. All these are events that introduced supply into the market, mm. which are unplanned. So when one looks at wine investments, right, you know, how would they know like this kind of information? What are the things that I should be looking out for if I even want to start investing in wine? Well, wine is new to some investors, but it's a very old thing. Mm. So information exists yes, uh, through connections that are established for a very long time. But this is not information that we can find on a Bloomberg terminal. It's not an annual report. No, but it's in the wine space, so mm. to speak. Sommeliers, negociants, people who are interacting with wine growers. A lot of the real traders in wine, entities or individuals who are on everybody's list for allocation of stock, uh, they have first-hand knowledge of what's going on. Most other people, we rely on the other secondary publications for market data, no different from soybeans or any other commodity. Got it. And last question, how does one look out for scams for this asset class? If you are investing through a renowned trading platform, then mm. the provenance is certified. Mm. And there is mutual trust around the authenticity of the goods that is being traded. Mm. I mentioned earlier that a lot of trading happens without even seeing physical product. Yeah. So if you are on a trusted platform, then seller and buyer all expect goods that are moving virtually and crossing ownership within that platform to be authentic. Mm. The challenge with folks that buy wine, store at home and expect to resell it on carousel or something. <laughs> <laughs> Does that happen quite often? Yeah, that happens, but your provenance is then uncertified. Yes. And so, yes, there could be scams, but buyers also are judging you based on the possibility that you are a scam. Mm. And that uncertainty destroys value. Mm. Yeah. With regards to carousel, they're certainly not in the business of certifying whether or not it's a scam, No, right? but there are wine sellers. There are people who sell supposedly investment-grade type wines on that platform too. You say supposedly, so when, you, when you see some, a listing on Carousel where it's like, a, let's say, a very rare wine collection, what should you be looking at to try to check it or you just can't? I'm not here to badmouth Carousel. No, I'm right? not Carousel, but then uh, on any other on it, any it is listing a, it platform. Is any, it can be a, on Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, any, any Marketplace. So any exchange that purports to buy and sell large volumes of wine mm. would have that risk. Mm. unless they're able to prove to you what is the way in which they certify or guarantee their entire logistical supply chain. i give you an example. Some folks can do something very simple like, okay, I know I'm very connected with all of the expats that are coming here mm. and they come here for five years or something and they want a wine collection for personal consumption and for entertainment. 
So they'll set up like a couple hundred bottles or more in their homes. Mm. And I give you this deal. I say, okay, how about I come up with an assortment of wines you buy from me? Mm. I'll fill up your cellar. Mm. When you leave Singapore, whatever you cannot drink, I'll buy back. Mm. And then I'll resell it. Do you have a way of proving that the bottles are properly stored? By and large, if you personally know the guy, whether he stored it or not, you can say that your product is okay, mm. but it's not certified. It's not something that you can put on an investment platform. People say, oh, you know, wine is a good commodity. I start to buy stuff, but not knowing where it's from and also how you intend to keep it. Mm. Uh, it's a challenge. You may not be able to resell it once you take it out of bond. Okay, that's all good points for somebody like myself, right? Like an introduction into the wine space. And I know that you do organize like, wine tasting sessions. So for the audience who is interested, where can they find you if they want to sign up for the next wine tasting session? Well, well, first of all, you can always check out the list of wines that I have on sale on bondwines.store mm-hmm. and you can contact me directly through the store website. Mm. Alternatively, you can also look me up on uh, LinkedIn mm. and I'm happy to connect whether it's commercially or just to share a hobby. But yeah, it's all about connecting people ultimately. Oh, that's perfect. We'll see you for the next wine tasting session. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bing, for being with us today. Many thanks as well to all of you out there for tuning in. This has been a fantastic conversation and we would definitely love to hear what you think about it. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can reach out to us through the email podcast at melisten.sg or at my Instagram at misfitfi. Aside from that, if you enjoy what you're listening to and want to hear more, please help to spread and grow the show by subscribing on Me Listen or Apple Podcasts, or by following on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Finally, the Building Financial Fitness Podcast is an original production from MediaCorp and recorded at Scape Live Studios, The Pod, powered by Audio-Technica and City Music. Episode production is done by Junus Yu, with editing and support by Danny Cordy and Gareth Fernandez. Once again, I'm your host and BFF, Junus Yu. Until the next time.